Today on the show, a bunch of thoughts about how much talent there really is out there for high-level dirt racing car owners to hire. Plus, Rico finally stops Larson, a surprise all-star winner, and more. Let's go. It's Thursday, July 27th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. Earlier this morning, the Kreitz Racing Team shared to social media that they will not be racing this coming weekend as they work towards making the best decision possible for a new driver or drivers to fill the seat of the 69K after they parted uh, ways with Lance DeWeese over this past weekend. They shared in that post that they've had, quote, about 75 inquiries from drivers interested in taking the job. I don't feel like that number is all that surprising, uh, surprising given that it's a top ride in Central PA, but I don't know how Don Kreitz goes about deciding who to choose of that group. We talked about this very topic two days ago on The Daily Show. The initial prompt on Tuesday was, we're starting a national touring team right now, who do you hire? And the constraints on drivers who are available in this prompt are the ones that are available right now in real life, not just a dream team scenario where you can just go get David Gravel and Buddy Kofoid. At this moment, those guys are obviously signed to teams, but my argument was that the talent pool is actually pretty small. And I brought up names like Hunter Schoenberg, like Parker Price Miller, Chase Randall, Ryan Timms, a few regional guys, Trey Starks, Shane Golubic, uh, as some potential names to look at. And the responses I got were all over the board, and it was clear that some just didn't pay attention to what I was actually asking for, but hey, you'll, you know, you'll have that on the internet. Yesterday, multi-time Lernerville track champion AJ Flick weighed in on that Daily Show topic, saying he strongly disagreed with my assessment, and that he thinks there are, quote, tons of talented sprint car drivers, and that what is lacking is money and experience. That might be true to a point, but I think he and a lot of race fans have a very skewed or biased view of how much actual talent and ability is really out there. I'll point you to a few interesting thought experiments kind of away from motorsports. Early in 2023, there was a survey released saying that 32% of Americans believe they could land a commercial airliner in an emergency situation. And just a few days ago, the Action Network released the results of a survey they conducted where 62% of average golfers believe they could record a lower score on a single hole during an 18-hole round against a PGA Tour pro. Both of these are pretty outlandish, but I think they're good examples of how highly people think of themselves and how adept they are at things, even if it doesn't match reality at all. If you want some funny stuff to watch today, go search YouTube for Brian Scalabrini playing basketball against normal people. Uh, There's some solid high schoolers he goes up against, even some ex-college players. Scalabrini played 11 seasons in the NBA, was not a superstar by any measurement, but he just absolutely destroys his competition. It's a graphic example of how wide the gaps are in talent and ability between the top and just normal people. And I'm not doubting or saying that there aren't some hidden talented race car drivers out there and that there are guys who've been overlooked for various reasons, whether it's sprint car racing or lay model racing or whatever. That's absolutely true. There are people out there that just need a chance. But I do think there are guys who have inflated views of themselves, and I think a lot of race fans have unrealistic views of certain drivers and what they're really capable of. Just because a guy runs a super lay model or a 410 sprint car somewhere doesn't mean they can compete on the biggest stages. I've seen lots of names thrown around in the last 48 hours after my show of potential people who could be hired, and I could get the receipts out and start showing you who has actually shown some flashes here and there, and you know maybe who could be hopeful, and then also who literally has no chance. 
but then the feelings would get hurt and I'd get flamed. And, you know, I don't, I just don't think this community is ready for those types of real discussions. I think when it comes to some of these rides, a lot of the same guys get the chances because they're safe picks. You know, they can qualify, they can make features, they're not going to tear up too much stuff. Maybe they bring some cash. So that's why they get the calls. It's a big risk to take on an unproven guy. And these car owners very often don't have the patience to wait for a guy to really find his footing, knowing that it may never actually come. Looking around the country, I think a lot of racers believe if they had a million dollars in sponsorship and somebody like Mark Richards or Philip Dietz or Kevin Rumley or Ricky Warner or some of these guys in their corners, that they'd win. But I think the group of drivers who would actually succeed in those situations is realistically pretty small. I know one thing today, I don't envy Don Kreitz at all trying to sort through 75 voice messages and text messages and resumes and stats to try and make a decision to replace Lance DeWeese. One other related note here, Macri Motorsports will field Lance DeWeese this weekend again uh, at Port Royal in a 39M sprint car. Ryan Hand will continue to crew chief it with Joe Mooney out on the road with Justin Sanders. DeWeese went 16th to 10th last night in the High Limit show at Grandview. And if you haven't read it yet, I'd suggest jumping onto Jacob Allen's Facebook page and reading what he wrote yesterday about why he's taking a break from racing right now. Kudos to him for being open and honest about what he's going through and why he's decided to make this move. Speaking of that high limit show last night, Kyle Larson's win streak was broken by Rico Abreu. Larson started on the pole and after kind of a couple of issues, we had multiple starts. Larson eventually settled in out front with Justin Peck, Rico, Brent Marks, a couple of guys in tow. Rico just about threw it away on the opening lap, catching not one, but two infield tires into turn one and nearly tipping the 24 over. He survived it, though, and later after a caution for a slowing Justin Peck threw a big slider on the restart to take the lead. Larson tried to run him down late, but Rico ran a really smart race, moved around, uh, you know, tried some different lanes to slow Larson's progress. It was Rico's first ever high limit score, and it breaks his streak of two straight second place finishes. Larson ended up second with Brent Marks third. Peck ended up 18th after getting trapped in the work area, trying to change that flat right rear. He had speed again, just couldn't get the finish. It's very much seems to kind of be the story of Peck's season. They did end up with 27 cars. Grandview looked absolutely packed last night. Uh, The high limit season uh, continues next Tuesday night at Kokomo. With the All-Stars at Benton last night, we ended up with a legit surprise winner. Doesn't happen very often, especially in this day and age of, of 410 sprint car racing. Derek Hagar went to victory lane in just his first 410 start of the season. Uh, He topped Corey Day and Zeb Wise. Hagar hadn't made an all-star appearance since 2021, and he's a guy we usually see in 360 competition. He's made 21 ASCS National Tour starts over the last few years. And if you pay attention over there, you know he's a guy that can win any night out. He's actually won five times, uh, has 17 top 10s in those 21 starts. So nearly 25% of the time, Hagar is winning with the ASCS. He got around Zeb to lead lap 11, survived the rubber towards the end to score the win. With Anthony Macri getting caught up in an incident and finishing 19th, the All-Star Championship battle tightened yet again. Headed to Lake Ozark tonight, the Clawson Marshall team has just an eight-point lead on the Rudine 26. This thing is just absolutely wide open right now. At Terre Haute, Justin Grant bagged his third win of Indiana Sprint Week, leading the final 21 laps, topping Kevin Thomas Jr. and CJ Leary. The cushion looked a little gnarly last night. We had issues for Jake Swanson. And Brady Bacon about had a big one, too. There's also a scary incident right at the checkered when Robert Ballou's car just took off towards the infield wall, uh, hit uh, right near a group of photographers. Those guys uh, had gathered to shoot the finish. They all had to scatter. Thankfully, nobody was injured in that incident. Sprint Week continues tonight at Lincoln Park. 
Up in Canada, Matt Williamson bounced back from a tough ending on Tuesday at Granby to score the win at RPM. He led flag to flag and beat Stuart Friesen and Eric Rudolph. Points leader Matt Shepard went 24th to 7th on the night. Next uh, Short Track Super Series event is August 1st at the Action Track USA. That's actually a non-points night. Uh, elsewhere tonight, don't forget about the Southern Nationals late models. Championship leader Jimmy Owens will try and extend his advantage at the Tri-County Racetrack here in North Carolina. You can watch it live over on Flow. Uh, that's it for the show today. Make sure to hit up the streaming schedule at dirttracker.com slash watch tonight. Leave your thoughts also below in the comments section about uh, you know anything that happened today. If you want to talk about the stuff that we started off the show with, feel free to leave that as well. I hope you guys have a good Thursday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow.